Hello, everybody. Another episode of Exploring Cryptocurrency. Before we delve into more complex projects and concepts, I thought it would be a good idea to cover the primary cryptocurrencies that got this technology off the ground. So that would mean Bitcoin and Ethereum. I'm also going to be doing episodes on Ripple, Litecoin, Cardano, and EOS, probably Stellar. I've already touched on Tron, but today we're going to be going over Bitcoin. Now, episode two of Exploring Cryptocurrency also explored Bitcoin a bit, but that episode was a more general overview of Bitcoin and the blockchain. It was created for those of you who are really having some trouble understanding this stuff. I know it can sound pretty abstract, and especially if you're 100% new to this technology, I recommend checking out that episode as well. But today we're going to be covering Bitcoin head-on. So what is Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin was created as a new kind of money, digital money, that can be sent from one person to another without the need for a trusted third party, such as a bank or other financial institutions. It is the first global decentralized currency. Now I have to note, you, um, those of you out there who know uh, a lot about Bitcoin, you're banging your heads when I say decentralized. I have to note that decentralized does not mean absolutely private. Um, it's also not a static concept. One argument about Bitcoin decentralization today is that because only those with the resources to mine Bitcoin are able to, well, mine Bitcoin or validate transactions in the network, that the Bitcoin network has seen a consolidation of wealth and power. And we'll be looking into this a bit more when we talk about Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin was originally released in 2009 by an individual or individuals named Satoshi Nakamoto as a piece of software and a paper describing how it works called a white paper. Because Bitcoin is fundamentally software, anybody can run it on their computer and therefore participate in this new global economy. One of the most important elements of Bitcoin is the blockchain which tracks who owns what, similar to how a bank tracks assets. What sets the blockchain apart from a bank's ledger is that it is distributed, meaning anyone can view it. Since Bitcoin is open, no country, company, or third party is in control of it, and anyone and everyone can participate. This is actually a really big deal given that one-third of the world, or approximately nearly about one-third of the world, does not have access to banking. But many of these people do have access to Bitcoin, um, the Nokia 3000 phone, very old technology, old cell phone with an antenna, um, the most popular phone in the world, actually. Um, you can run Bitcoin uh, wallet software on that phone. A lot of people in third world countries in Africa, for instance, are doing this right now. And contrarily, they don't have access to banking. So that's kind of a big deal. One can use Bitcoins to purchase goods on the internet and in stores. It is a means of exchanging value. And here are some of the unique properties of Bitcoin that will kind of help contextualize uh, what it can do and what it is. Bitcoin is global. Bitcoins can be sent to someone else across the world as easily as one can pass cash across a counter at a store. Bitcoin is not closed on weekends. It doesn't impose any arbitrary limits. There are no hours to Bitcoin. This is a global economy that is running 24-7. Bitcoin is irreversible. Bitcoin is like cash in that transactions cannot be reversed by the sender. 
In comparison, you have credit cards, which are popular online payment systems, and banking transactions. Uh, these things can be reversed after the payment has been made, sometimes months after the initial transaction, which can cause problems for consumers and merchants alike. Bitcoin is private. When paying with Bitcoins, there are no bank statements, and one need not provide unnecessary personal information to the merchant. Bitcoin transactions do not contain any identifying information other than the Bitcoin addresses and amounts involved. Now, I mentioned before uh, when I made a note about decentralization, these transactions could be used, or rather the addresses could be used to de-anonymize a user using social engineering and looking at where are the on and off ramps, so to speak, of the Bitcoin back into FIA currency. And this is why we have privacy tokens, which we'll be discussing in their own episode. They certainly deserve it, but I just have to note that because that is also another emerging problem with Bitcoin, but this is very rare, and if you're not engaging in illegal activity, most likely people aren't going to be very interested in tracking your transactions and going through uh, blockchain logs and trying to determine the on and off ramps of where you exchange US dollars or pounds or whatever it is for Bitcoins. That would, that would just be absurd. So uh, next point, Bitcoin is secure. Due to the cryptographic nature of the Bitcoin network, Bitcoin payments are fundamentally more secure than standard debit or credit card transactions. When making a Bitcoin payment, no sensitive information is required to be sent over the internet. There is very low risk of your financial information being compromised or having your identity stolen, which we all know is a very major problem with using traditional payment methods on the internet or in real life, such as credit cards and debit cards. So don't really have that problem with Bitcoin at all. Bitcoin is open, last but certainly not least. Every transaction on the Bitcoin network is published publicly, without exception. This means there is no room for manipulation of transactions, changing the money supply, or adjusting the rules mid-game. The software that constitutes the core of Bitcoin is free, it is open source, and anyone can review the code. So there's no hiding here, there's no central authority, centralization that is, and um, one of the reasons this is a public network is because it produces a sense of immutability. People cannot manipulate the system, they can't create bitcoins out of thin air, they can't uh, engage in double spending or other fraudulent bad actor behavior. The blockchain is a core part of the Bitcoin network. Basically what this is, is it's a shared ledger on which the entire Bitcoin network relies. All confirmed transactions are included in the blockchain. It allows Bitcoin wallets to calculate their spendable balance so that new transactions can be verified, thereby ensuring they're actually owned by the spender. The integrity and the chronological order of the blockchain are enforced again, with cryptography. So basically, when anything happens on the blockchain, it lets everybody in the world know so their ledgers are updated accordingly. This means that nobody can add false information or double spend their Bitcoins because their ledger wouldn't match up with the rest of the Bitcoin network and would therefore be deemed invalid. So let's talk about Bitcoin transactions and how this works. So a transaction is a transfer of value between Bitcoin wallets that gets included in the blockchain. 
Bitcoin wallets keep a secret piece of data called a private key or seed, which is used to sign transactions, providing a mathematical proof that they have come from the owner of the wallet. The signature also prevents the transaction from being altered by anybody once it has been issued. Again, it's immutable. All transactions are broadcast to the network and usually begin to be confirmed within 10 to 20 minutes through a process called mining. Okay, so Bitcoin mining. This is where um, I found, you know, a lot of newcomers get really hung up on this topic. This seems to be one of the most confusing aspects of Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network. Um, consensus algorithms can be really tricky to understand. So we're going to go through this bit by bit. We'll start with just a brief outline of what Bitcoin mining is, how it works, and then we'll kind of delve into it a little bit more. So Bitcoin mining, um, mining is basically a distributed consensus system that is used to confirm pending transactions by including them in the blockchain. It enforces a chronological order in the blockchain, it protects the neutrality of the network, and allows different computers to agree on the state of the system. To be confirmed, transactions must be packed into a block that fits very strict cryptographic rules that will then be verified by the network. These rules prevent previous blocks from being modified because doing so would invalidate all the subsequent blocks. Mining also creates the equivalent of a competitive lottery system that prevents any individual from easily adding new blocks consecutively to the blockchain. The software does this so no groups or individuals can control what is included in the blockchain or re replace parts excuse me, of the blockchain to roll back their own spends. So delving a little bit more into this idea of mining. Bitcoin works very differently from tra uh, traditional currencies, where FIAT currencies like dollars and pounds are handled by banks and financial institutions, which collectively confirm when transactions occur. Bitcoin operates on the basis of the blockchain, again, that public ledger system we discussed. In order for transactions to be confirmed, to avoid the same Bitcoin from being spent twice, for example, a number of Bitcoin nodes operated by miners around the world need to give it their quote-unquote seal of approval. For that, they are rewarded the transaction fees paid by those conducting them. And while there are still new Bitcoins to be made, there are currently more than 16.8 million of a maximum of 21 million. A separate reward too that is implemented in order to incentivize the practice of mining. So to put that in short form, not only are Bitcoin miners rewarded the transaction fees that are paid by those conducting the transactions, when you make a Bitcoin transaction, say I send Bitcoin to you, I will include a very, very, very small fee. I mean, these are minute fees, and that will be given to the miners to reward them for doing their work, validating my transaction, <clears throat> These miners also um, are rewarded in the new Bitcoin that's being minted or issued, so to speak. Um, and there is a maximum, a cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be issued. And this cap is not going to be released until long after we're all dead. So <laughs> we don't have to worry about that anytime soon. Um, in taking part in mining, these miners create new Bitcoins to add to the general circulation. So while facilitating the very transactions that make Bitcoin a functional cryptocurrency, they are also creating it. So it's an interesting issuance model. Now, just a side note, as I've mentioned in other episodes, you might be thinking Bitcoin mining. That sounds really lucrative. 
it is not. I highly recommend against it. Um, you're looking at immense electricity usage and probably the hardest thing that you can put on your computer's hardware. And in order to really generate substantial block rewards, um, you'd need to be operating a mining facility. And if you want to read more about those, there's a really interesting article that Vice published, I think maybe a couple of years ago, about Bitcoin mines in China. These are entire factories with ASIC hardware running 24-7, consuming massive amounts of electricity to mine Bitcoin. Um, if you're running some sort of rig at home, eh, the Bitcoin rewards might actually be outpaced by your electric bill. So there's that. Why is it called mining? So the reason it's called mining is not that it involves a physical act of digging, obviously. Um, Bitcoin are entirely digital tokens, so they don't require explosive excavation or panning streams, but they do have their own form of prospecting and recovery. This is where the mining nomenclature comes from. Prospective miners download and run a mining software, of which there are several options. You can join a pool of other miners doing the same thing as you, and you split those rewards, or you can run a facility, as aforementioned. Um, you could do this on your own, etc. Mining software basically compiles recent Bitcoin transactions into blocks and proves their validity by calculating a quote-unquote proof of work. That's the consensus algorithm of the Bitcoin network. So they calculate a proof of work that covers all of the data in those blocks. That involves the mining hardware taking a huge number of guesses at a particular integer over and over until they find the correct one. That's the lottery system we were talking about. It's a computationally intense process that is further hampered by deliberate increases in difficulty as more and more miners attempt to create the next block in the chain. That's why people join mining pools, and that's why only the most powerful application-specific integrated circuit, or ASIC mining hardware, is effective at mining bitcoins today. The individual miner or pool who are the first to create the proof of work for a block are rewarded with transaction fees for those confirmed transactions and a subsidy of bitcoin. That subsidy is made up of brand new Bitcoin, again, which are generated through the process of mining, and again, that will continue to happen until all 21 million have been mined. There is no guarantee that any one miner or mining pool will generate the correct integer needed to confirm a block and thereby, uh, thereby earn the reward. That's precisely why miners join pools. It increases their chances. So there you have it, folks. That is the Bitcoin network in a nutshell, if you will, um, especially explaining the mining process, because when I um, when I give public talks or I speak to individuals just one on one about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it seems like the most confusing aspect for newcomers often tends to be the mining process. That seems to be the one that people get a little uh, tripped up on. So hopefully that puts that into perspective. And before we depart, one really cool thing to note about the Bitcoin network is that the Bitcoin network is more powerful and expansive than any supercomputer in the world that exists, that has ever existed. In fact, given the task of Bitcoin mining, the world's supercomputers would be approximately 0.01 to 0.001% of the Bitcoin network. It's even been estimated that the Bitcoin network is technically more powerful than the world's top 500 supercomputers combined. So that's something to think about. 
Once again, this is another episode of Exploring Cryptocurrency. You can check out our blog at exploringcryptocurrency.blogspot.com. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, rate this if you will, and if you would be so kind, share with others so they can learn about cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies as well. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you next time.